So we've been in the middle of this sermon series, 40 Days of Purpose, now for three weeks, and we're finally getting to the first purpose today. But what have we talked about so far? Anybody remember? First week, we, Pastor John preached, and he says we need to be all in, right? That was the big tagline. We need to be all in when it comes to God, when it comes to, to, to being his child, all those different things. Last week, we talked about how much God loves us, that he created us to love us, right? That the whole purpose we're here is so that he could shower his love down upon us. It, it's incredible to think about that. I had a buddy, though, he was kind of wrestling with this, and he was saying, I, I just don't get it. It's hard for me to comprehend God's love. He created us to love us, and so I, I came up with a very imperfect analogy. But he was a dad, and he has a kid, and, and, and so I said, look, why did you bring your child into the world? Was it for your child's sake, or was it for your sake? I, I mean, like, who are you thinking of when you brought that child in the world? And he, he was kind of reflective for a little bit. He said, well, we brought it in because we, we wanted kids. So I guess it was because of us. And I said, absolutely. And why did you want that kid? Well, we wanted kids so that we could love them. I said, okay, now you're starting to get a picture, right? And is there anything you wouldn't do for that child? No. I mean, I, I can't imagine anything that I wouldn't do. And then you get a sense of just how much he loves you, that he'd be willing to, to send his own son to die for his children so that they could be with him forever. And I said, by the way, What's one of your greatest prayers? Would it be that you would spend your eternity with your kids in heaven? He goes, that would be awesome. In fact, you ask a ton of people, especially with older kids that maybe have walked away for a little bit, and ask them what their greatest prayer is in life right now, that their kids would come back to Jesus so they could spend their eternity with their kids in heaven. And if you get that kind of love that you just have for your kids, imagine God's love on steroids for you. His love for you is so complete, so immense, he will do anything for you. And so the first purpose that we have for our life is really the converse side of that, and God's saying this, all I want you to do is love me back. And isn't that the prayer of your parents, right? right? These children that you lavish this love upon, that they would love you and keep on loving you all the way throughout their life, no matter what happens, no matter what they go through, no matter how many dumb mistakes that they made, they would just, they would just keep loving you. And that gives you a sense of this whole thing. And, and so God says, first purpose of your life, why you're here, I want you to love me back. He wants you to bring him enjoyment. Again, think of it in terms of you and your children, right? And so Jesus was walking one day, and a guy came up to me and said, what's the greatest commandment? If you could narrow it down just to one Jesus, what would be the greatest commandment in all the Bible? And he thought about it for a second. He says, okay, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. This is the whole Bible in summary. He says, I want you to do this, Matthew 22, love the Lord your God, period. First and greatest commandment, and he goes on to the second one right after that, but first and greatest commandment, I want you to love the Lord your God. God says, if you don't get anything else, here's what you're supposed to do in life. You're supposed to love me back, right? Because I made you to love you, and I know you, right? And I want you to know me, and I want you to love me back because you're my kid, and I love you so much. And there's a word for this in the Bible, and it's a word that we don't use a whole lot because we don't understand it, I think, in total, but it's the word worship. And worship is just knowing and loving God back. But the problem is, is that worship is so misunderstood today that we kind of make it more complicated. In fact, when I say worship, what do you think of? Maybe you think of prayer, maybe you think of singing, maybe you think of ritual or communion or, or, or going to church or something that you do at church. But worship, to be fair, scripturally, is far more than all of those things. And so you start looking at that, and well, what exactly is it then? Well, let me break it down a little bit. There's, I think the greatest verse in all the Bible that defines worship, right, is Romans 12, verse 1. 
And it says, because of God's great mercy to us, his love for us in Jesus, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and to pleasing him. In other words, he wants you to live a life dedicated to actually pleasing him. Again, think about your parent hat, right? Wouldn't that be awesome if your kids dedicated their life to pleasing you? How awesome would that be? Wow, your room's already clean? That's nuts. I mean, you'd be like freaked out how cool every party you'd go to. My kid is so awesome. He does this and this and all the parents would be jealous. You know, it would be cool. But the reality is dedicating your life to pleasing him, to living for him. Why? Because of everything that he's done for you. Notice it says because of God's great mercy, his love for us, right? He loves us so much and then he just wants us to love him back. But in this case, God takes the initiative. In fact, God always takes the first move. In worship, always God is taking the initiative toward us by reminding us, first and foremost, that we're valuable because he created us, that we are loved by him. And as evidence of that, every time we come through the doors, we're offered forgiveness, Every time we come to him in repentance, that he cares for us by strengthening our faith through his word, by giving us hope with eternal life, by blessing our lives, by promising protection, all those things and more, all these he gives to us first. And then, I guess just by the sheer evidence of it, he says, I just, can't you see, I just want you to love me back. Again, put the parents hat on again. You do all these things for your kids and you just want them to love you. You just want them to trust you. You just want them to, you know, obey a couple rules, right? It's evidence that they love and they trust you, right? Do they always appreciate it? No. That's still your yearning and it's God's absolute yearning for you. He gives you everything and he just says, guys, come to me. Notice what we do though. It says we offer here. First we receive and then we offer. The word describes worship. Worship is giving back to God. God gives to us, and then we give back to him. You see, worship ultimately is both God giving to us and us giving back to God. If you think about worship, it should be like a big birthday party, right, where you know coming in, you're going to get all these amazing gifts. You know that every time you come here, you're going to get forgiveness. Every time you come here, you're going to get a strengthening to go and deal with your week as it comes at you. Every time you come, you're going to get a sense of hope that there's more to this life than what I'm experiencing right now. Or that this horrible season that I'm going through right now is going to come to an end and there's going to be a new season of a blessing or at least a better season to come on the other side. Every time you come, you get lavished with these gifts upon gifts from God's word, from his promises given to you for this life so it's easier. And then he says, guys, just... Let me back. And when you love them back, it's called worship. And when you get that feeling of thanksgiving or that feeling of appreciation or that feeling of wonder, that feeling of awe, that's what worship is. That brings pleasure to God. It brings enjoyment to God. When your kids are grateful for you, it brings you pleasure. When we bring gratefulness to God, it brings pleasure to him as well. And then the question here says is that we offer then we start asking, what are we supposed to offer when we come here? I, I get Thanksgiving, I praise, maybe those things, but, but what do you give a God who's got everything? How do you think buying Christmas gifts for some people is hard, right? What do you give God, the creator of the universe, who has everything? What do you give him? Answer, you give him your love. And he's very specific on how he wants it. He says this in Mark 12. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and all of your mind in all of your strength. That's so overwhelming when you listen to that, isn't it? God says again, I want you to be all in. I love you more than you can comprehend, but I want you to love me back in the same way. But what exactly does that look like? Let's break it down for a little bit. 
One of the first things is that worship is focusing our attention on God. It's focusing my mind and my thoughts and my attention on the one who created me. Compare that to a lot of religions today where where the idea of worship is to put your mind in neutral, right? You sort of lose your mind to the universe and see what thought kind of fills the void, you know, and that must be from him. But, But the truth of scripture, the truth of God is that he wants you to worship him thoughtfully and that takes energy. It takes putting our mind focused on him. Not just going through the motions, but really thinking about it. And let's just acknowledge that that's kind of hard for us at times. For example, have you ever prayed in neutral? Right? It's before the meal. Everybody did the prayer. And about five minutes into the the meal, you're thinking, hey, did we pray yet? And you're thinking, everybody's looking at you like, oh, man, that's pretty pathetic. But half of them are like, I don't know. Did we pray? Did we not? When you forget that you pray five minutes before, it's because you were praying in neutral. You were going through the motions. How about worship? You ever do that in worship? Say the Lord's Prayer in neutral, Apostles' Creed in neutral, sing a song in neutral, listen to a sermon at a different church, right, in neutral. I mean, those kind of things, right? If you have, it just kind of shows you how difficult it is that it takes energy and attention to focus on God, and yet that's what he wants, isn't it? I was sharing this, I, I, I get so excited when I'm not here on Sunday morning, not that I don't love you guys, but I get that, the day's off and I get to go worship someplace because somebody else prepared the message for that day, And here's the way I get geeked up about it. I I just know that God has something for me, right? I go into worship expecting God to share something powerful for my life, something meaningful for my life, some direction for my life, something. I know that that word that that pastor has prepared somehow is directed for me. And so I listen, and I'm anticipatory of what's going to happen. And I know that because, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'll write these like six weeks in advance. Pastor John, too, we're like six or seven weeks in advance so everybody can plan. There is no way we could know what was going in your life six weeks in the future, and yet God continues to use this stuff in ways that you can't imagine. He wants your focus as you come into worship. But do you know why he wants your focus? Because he's focused on you. In Psalm 139, verse 1 through 3, it says this, You have looked deep into my heart, O Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I'm resting or when I'm working. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. God has focused his attention on you. God pays constant attention to you. He never takes his eyes off of you. He never stopped thinking about you. The reason he made you again was to love you, was to give you this kind of attention And the greatest expression of love so often is just that, isn't it? It's attention. Sometimes people will come to me and they say, Pastor, I don't get it. You know, my wife and my kids, they say I don't love them. But that's not true. I I do all sorts of things for them. I'm working six days a week just trying to put food on the table, trying to, to provide for them. How can they say that I don't love them? What are they talking about? And I say, well, they probably just want your attention, right? Attention is an incredible expression of love. And God puts his attention constantly on us. Another way to explain that, remember the first time you fell in love, right? You couldn't get your thoughts off him. You woke up in the morning, you're thinking about him all the way through recess, thinking about him, right? right? All day long, you're just kind of thinking about him. Oh, they're so cute or whatever the deal is, right? And that's infatuation and sometimes, most of the time, you know, those things wear off after a while. But God, the Bible tells us, his love is for eternity. He's always focused on us. And he just wants us to teach us, right, to love him back, to put our attention and our hearts on him, to give him our focus. And so let's again just acknowledge that that's kind of hard for us. 
And so we have to make it a priority in our life to actually do things different. I have to do things different to get ready for worship when I'm not here because I want to be ready for what it is the pastor shares. But how often do we just kind of just barely make it here and we're thinking, whoo, we made it, yay, Chuck. (laughs) And when we're not ready for worship and our minds are cluttered or we were just in the argument in the car, just out in the parking lot because the kids weren't listening and we were just trying to get in and we're frantic and we're thinking about life and everything's going around. The reason you wonder sometimes we start off with music is to try to do a decompression chamber so you can just kind of go, whew, right? Just to let some of that stuff go so that when we start talking or when we start doing confession that you're ready to hear, that you're ready to focus. And hopefully by that last song, the last two songs, God has started to do some neat stuff in your heart because again, it's layered with his words, sharing with you his promises and his love. But sometimes we just have to get ready in a different way We have to decide to focus. And one of the greatest ways that we could ever do that is just by taking some time every single day and spending it with him. And and I don't care what time of day you do it. I don't care where you do it, right? But you have to decide. And and what you're deciding is this, God, I'm going to stop everything else in my life right now for this few minutes or whatever it is, this half hour, and I'm just going to hang out with you. And I'm going to spend time praying and talking to you. And I'm going to spend time in your word, hearing from you. And I, I just want to do this because you are so important to me. And I love you so much that I want to get my mind right today. Scripture talks about this in Matthew 6, 6. It says this, find a quiet scheduled place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. And sort of pretend before God or be so consumed by everything else. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God. And you'll get a sense of his grace. When the focus finally shifts from me and my issues to God, that's when you begin to experience things, right? You begin to sense, again, a sense of gratitude for what he's doing in your life, a sense of hope, a sense of forgiveness, a sense of love, because all of a sudden you're reconnected finally to the God who loves you. But I'm telling you, you, we've got to regularly find that time where we're unplugging from life just a second, where we can just focus on him and let him pour into us because we need that desperately. It's another thing, too. Worship is also expressing my affection to God. I don't know if it's kind of weird to think about God expressing affection toward you, but he absolutely does. In Exodus 30, verse 4, it says this, He is the God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Passion, not a word often that you think about when you think of God. But God is absolutely passionate about you. He longs to know you. He longs for you to know him. He longs passionately to have a relationship with you. And so often of the time, he says, I made you to know me and I made you to love me. So why are you ignoring me like you are? Again, nobody in here, other services. But he'd be crying that out. Why do you spend so much time ignoring me? Talk to older parents all the time. Their kids are out, they're doing life, and they're just like, they never call. I need them to call. I want to know what's going on in their life. I just want to know what's going on with my son or my daughter or whatever. Why don't they call? We get so consumed with life, and we don't mean to ignore, but we absolutely do. Why are you ignoring me like this? He is passionate about having a relationship with you. I've been married a long time, but I just imagine on my anniversary, I I came to my wife and I gave her flowers, real sweet thing, right? But what if I said to my wife, honey, I'm giving these flowers to you for three very specific reasons. Reason number one, I am your husband. Reason number two, it is our anniversary. And reason number three, husbands are supposed to give flowers to their wives on the anniversary. So, you know, here you go. Would she be blown away? Would she think that was just awesome? 
No, why not? I just gave her flowers. I don't understand. Why wouldn't she think it's awesome? Because she just doesn't want me to go through the motions, right? She doesn't want it to be an automatic thing. She, she, wants, she doesn't want it to be duty. She wants me to love her passionately. She wants desire. Similarly, God doesn't want your duty. He wants your desire as well. God doesn't get excited thinking, oh, if you go, okay, I better go to worship today. It's Sunday. Oh, made it here. Check. Oh, I love you, God, right? He doesn't want your duty. He wants you to mean it with all your heart. He wants you to know how much you love him, right? He wants you to experience that love. He's passionate about it. And he wants you to love him as much as he loves you because he made you, because you're his kid. And probably the greatest way for us to express affection to God is by giving our lives to him, right? By yielding our lives to him. By saying, God, we want you to be in charge. We want you to be in control, which means we all of a sudden recognize that life isn't about us, it's about him. And we, want, and we know that he has better plans than us, so we want to follow his plans. And so the way of thinking about that maybe is a wedding, right? And when you have a wedding, the two people come up in front of each other and they do these things called the vows, right? And they say the vows and they say, I do, at the end. What are they doing when they're doing that? They're saying to each other, before a whole bunch of people lots of times, I give my life to you. I surrender myself to you. I'm committing myself to only you. Right? Do you think about that when you're doing the vows? I mean, those are what it says. You and me, we're, we're hitched. We're, we're together. There's nobody else that's supposed to come in between us. We're going through life together until we die. We're going, we're totally in. Pastor John, we're all in. Why? Because that's the essence of love. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You have to give. And so when you say, God, I want to express my love to you, we're saying, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I give you my hands, I give, Lord, just take my life. And that's the greatest way to express your love. In Romans 6, it says, give yourself completely to God since you've been given a new life. Remember, it's always a response. God loves you first. He gave you his life. He gives you a new life in Jesus. He sent his son down to this earth to teach you, right? But then he also allowed his son's life to be taken and then risen again so that you could be with him forever in heaven. Start thinking about that. You say, okay, pastor, I guess that's my problem. I, 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 don't, I don't love God enough. But you know that's not your problem? The real problem is often this, that we don't really realize how much God loves us. Or at least we don't take the time. You know why Good Friday is kind of a special service? Because we read through the Passion. You know, we see more people crying at Good Friday, even with the dark, right, like the way it is. We see more people crying on Good Friday because of the words that are being spoken. Why? Because for the first time in months, maybe, maybe a whole year, they realize exactly what it is that Jesus did for them. They realize the depth of how much he cared for them. God's just saying, I want you to realize that every day. I want you to realize how much I love you. Our true problem is so often that we don't understand how much he loves us. But when we get it, how could you not love a God like that? But worship is always a response. We love God because he loved us. And when you understand how much he loves you, that he loved you enough to do all those things, you can't help but love him back. Last one. True worship is also about using our abilities for God. This is loving God with all of our strength. So God wants us to love him with our minds, right? He wants us to sense him with our heart and soul, and he wants us to serve him with all of our strength. I've been married long enough to know that it takes more than just words and kisses to express affection. 
Yes, my wife likes me to tell her that I love her, and so I do, right? And yes, my life, wife, wife likes the, the hugs and the kisses that come along with that, and she likes feeling special in that regard. But, but I've also been married long enough to know that it takes something more, something extra to sort of back it all up. And that's the practical expressions of love. So sometimes there's chores to be done. <laughs> and sometimes there's things that need to be fixed, or if you're in my case, people to hire to fix the things that need to be fixed, right? Sometimes there are errands to run. Sometimes there are responsibilities to be shared. My wife says I'm never more sexy than when I'm doing the dishes, right? Why? Because those are the practical things where I use my abilities, my gifts, right, to show that it's more than just words, that I really do love you. And, and I'll show it by my action again and again in practical ways, by fixing and helping and serving and sharing, those kind of things. But that's part of worship too, and I say all that because the truth is everybody's going to worship something. Everybody does worship something. You're wired that way it's by God. You were wired to worship by God. He's put it in your DNA. You couldn't stop worshiping if you wanted to. And that's why you could go all over the world today into any community and you'll find people worshiping something. And if you don't worship God, don't worry, you'll find something really quick to replace it with, even if it's just yourself. There's literally thousands of idols that we worship all the time. And so I'll just ask you this morning, what is it that you're worshiping? And I'll tell you what it is. It's whatever you're giving your primary attention to, whatever you're giving your primary affection to, whatever you're giving your primary abilities to. And if that be the case, then some of you are worshiping your career right now, kind of living to work. Some of you are, are, are worshiping making money. It's all about the retirement, or it's all about the things that I can purchase. Some of you are worshiping pleasure. Some of you are worshiping sex. Some of you are worshiping another person who so dominates your life, your total attention, affection, and ability goes to that one person. But the greatest temptation of your life and the worst sin that you could possibly commit is the temptation to worship something other than God. You can see it all the way through scriptures, how much he hates idolatry. But you'll say here, Pastor, that's not our issue, right? We're in worship today. We don't struggle with this at all, but yes, you do, and so do I. It's the number one problem in life. It's the root behind every one of your, other, of your other problems. It's the root behind every sin that you commit. Whenever you love something more than God, you're going to have chaos and conflict and stress and problems in your life, I promise you, and I'll qualify it by saying always. When I love my comfort more than I do doing the right thing, I get into trouble. When I love money, or pleasure, or when I love anything more than God, it creates all kinds of havoc in my life. When I love protecting my ego more than I do God or humility, I'm almost always going down the wrong path. Let me say it again, the biggest temptation of your life is to worship something other than God. And you see what that is, it plays itself out in the actions that you do every day. But the amazing thing is this, if we instead focus our attention on him, and we express our affection toward the one who created us. And we use our abilities for the one who loves us more than we can comprehend. God says, I'll take care of everything else. You won't have to worry about it. I'll take care of it all. He says in Psalm 37, God pays attention and God delights in every detail of your lives. Every detail, that's the kind of God we got. He's worthy of our worship. And when you understand how passionate he is about you, how much he loves you, how much he cares about every detail of your life. You can't help but love him back. You can't help but worship. And that is the first purpose that God has for your life. And all God's people said,
Amen. Let us pray. God, we love you so much. And I, I guess we say that. We look at our lives lots of times and there's not a whole lot of evidence, it seems, to back that up. So, Father, this morning, I guess we just want to start by saying we're sorry. We get the analogy of us and our kids and sometimes we feel like we've been crappy kids and so, Father, forgive us. And renew in us a clean and right spirit within us. Help us spend more time remembering all the things that you've done for us, remembering how much you care about us, remembering that you're there, remembering that you're working all things for our good, remembering that you love us. Help us remember. And let that go past our, just our brains and go into our hearts and let it, let it manifest itself in a response, which is what we mean to show all the time. But a response that says, we love you back. You are the most important thing in our life. And we're thankful. We're thankful for your love through Jesus. And we pray that today in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.